6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck completes his teaching on the book of Nehemiah, chapters 6 through 8. And I said, should such a man as I flee? And who is there that, being as I am, would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced his prophecy against me, for Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so and sin, that they might have the matter for an evil report, that they might reproach me. And uh, my God, think thou upon Tobiah and Sanballat according to these their works, and on the prophetess Noadiah, and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. So the wall was finished, in the 20 and 5th day of the month, Elul, in 50 and 2 days. So, it came to pass, when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. Moreover, in those days the nobles of Judah sent many letters unto Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came unto them. For there were many in Judah sworn unto him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Era, And his son Johanan had taken the daughter of Meshullam, the son of Berechiah. And also they reported his good deeds before me and uttered my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to put me in fear. So the turmoil continues. Now, let's continue in, uh, in uh, chapter 7. It came to pass when the wall was built, that I had set up the doors, the porters, the singers, and the Levites were appointed, that I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God above many. So uh, they prepared the gates, they're secure. Um, Hananiah, by the way, was, the, it was uh, Nehemiah's brother who reported Jerusalem problems back to when he was a cupbearer to the king, back in the second verse of the first chapter. This other Hananiah is a different guy, man of integrity, and deep spiritual convictions. And Nehemiah knows that there are still enemies around, so he can, maintains that their security measures be maintained. The city gates were to be opened only a few hours each day, and the citizens, probably many of them were uh, wall repairers, were to serve as guards. Okay, and uh, I said to them, Let not the gates of the Jerusalem be opened till the sun be hot. And while they stand by, let them shut the doors and bar them, and appoint watches of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, every one in this watch, and every one to be over against his house. Now the city was large and great, but the people were few therein, and the houses were not builded. My God put into my heart to gather together the nobles, the rulers, and the people, that they might be reckoned by genealogy. And I found a register of the genealogy of them which came up at the first, and found written therein. These are the children of the province that went up out of the captivity, those that had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon carried away and came again unto Jerusalem and to Judah, everyone to a city. And we're going to go through a list here. He came with Jerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Azariah, Ramiah, Nahamani, Mordecai, Belshan, Mishpereth, Bigvai, Nahum, Benah. The number, I say, of the men of the people of Israel was this. 
of the children of Parosh, 2,172, the children of Shephthiah, 370 and 2, the children of Era, 650 and 2, and the children of Pahathamoab, of the children of Jeshua and Joab, 2,818. Uh, you don't have to add these up. He'll do it at the end for you. Uh, the children of Elam, 1,254. Children of Zetu, 845. Children of Zechai, 703 score. Children of Binui, the uh, 648. The children of Bebai, 628. And uh, um, these list of names, by the way, are very, almost identical to those in Ezra chapter 2, except that Nehemiah includes a couple of extra we'll talk about when we get to the end of this. Um, Children of Hashem, 328. Children of Bezai, uh, 324. Children of Harif, uh, 112. Children of Gibeon, 95. The children of Bethlehem and Neopata, uh, 104 scored 8. The men of Anathoth, the uh, 128. And uh, the children of uh, Behath Maveth, 42. The children of Kiriath Jerim. Kephira and uh, Birath, 743. The men of Ramah and Giba, 621. Men of Michmas, 122. And the men of Bethel, Ai, 123. The men of other Nebo, 52. The children of Elam, 1,254. Children of Harim, 320. The children of Jericho, 345. Children of Lod, Hadid, and Ono, 721. And the children of Sena'a, uh, 3,930. 3, the priests, the children of Jedediah, the house of Jeshua, 973. Now the priests, of course, are Levites, right? And the children of Immer, 1,050 and 2. Children of Pasher, 1,247. The children of Harim, 1,017. And the, the Levites, the children of Jeshua, Kadmiel, and the children of Hodavah, 7 and 4. And the singers, the children of Asaph, 140 and 8. The porters, the children of Shalom, the children of Utter, the children of Talmud, the children of Akab, the children of Hatita, and the children of Shobai, and the 138. And the Nethanims, or the Gibeonites, if you will, the children of Ziha, children of Hashufa, and the children of Tebioth. The children of Keros, the children of Sia, the children of Padon. And a bunch of others I'll mispronounce, let's see. The children of Lebanon, the children of Hagaba, the children of Shalmai, the children of Hanan, the children of Gidel, the children of Kahar. The children of Riah, the children of Rezin, the children of Nakoda, the children of Gazim, the children of Uzzah, the children of Fezia, the children of Besai, the children of Menunim, and the children of Nephishim, the children of Barbuk, the children of Hakufa, and the children of Harhur, Basileth, the children of Mahida, the children of Harsha, the children of Parkus, the children of Sisera, the children of Tama, and the children of Neziah, and the children of Hatifa. And the children of Solomon's servants, the children of Sotai, the children of Sophereth, the children of Arida, the children of Jala, the children of Darkhan, the children of Gidel, the children of Shephthia, the children of Hatil, the children of Pokereth, of Zabaim, the children of Ammon. All the Nethanims and the children of Solomon's servants were 392. Now, by the way, um, I'm sorry that I didn't get a chance to, I tried, but I didn't have the, enough research facilities. It would be interesting to take uh, some research materials and figure out where those cities are. The problem with doing that is so many of them we're not sure. Some of them are quite obvious. Some are more obscure. But the point of the exercise is to recognize that these cities are scattered all through the northern kingdom. 
If you go through that list, some of them will be familiar to you from uh, our, our days of Joshua. And the point being that we've got representatives among this remnant from all 12 tribes. And if you could identify, if we could identify all those cities, I suspect we'd find all 12 tribes. We don't know where some of them are. They're obscure. But, uh, uh, clearly, uh, a number of them you recognize, uh, from the, from our, from the exploits in the days of the judges were in the northern area. But, uh, anyway, continuing here, these were they which were also from uh, Talmela, Telharesha, Kerab, Adon, and Immer. They could not show their father's house nor their seed whether they were of Israel. The children of Deliah, the children of Deviah, the children of Dakota, 640 and 2. And of the priests, the children of Habiah, and the children of Kaz, children of Barzillai, and of the daughters of Barzillai, and the Gilead to wife. Uh, he was called after their name. And they sought after the register among those that were reckoned by genealogy, but it was not found. Therefore were they, as polluted, put from the priesthood. Now they're Isra- Israelites, but they're, they couldn't identify themselves as descendants of Aaron, which was required for the priesthood. And Tershatha said unto them that they, and by the way, they could be descendants of Aaron. Uh, they would be coming from 40, they probably had uh, evidence of one of the 48 cities of the Levites, which are scattered all through the land. But uh, in any case, and the uh, Tershatha said unto them that they should not eat of the most holy things till there stood up a priest with Urim and Thummim, which we never see again. That was the old way back in the in the Torah days. The whole congregation together was forty and two thousand three hundred and three score, but beside their man, men servants and their maid servants, of whom there were seven thousand three hundred and thirty-seven, they had two hundred and forty-five singing men and singing women. Their horses, 736, their mules, 245, their camels, 435, 6,720 asses. And some of the chief of the... Now, I might mention, by the way, to, if you want to get into the numbers, I won't ask for a show of hands. Um, the, um, some of the scholars feel that the list in Ezra 2 is that of the returnees before they departed from Babylon. Nehemiah 7 gives those that actually arrived, because there are some discrepancies. And uh, but the two chapters don't give any indication. The list includes people by 18 families and clans. The listing of inhabitants from 20 different towns and villages. The priests and there's about 4,289 of them were listed. But they're followed by mention of 360 Levites, which included singers and gatekeepers. The temple servants and descendants of Solomon servants number about 392. It was followed by reference about 642 returnees who could not trace their ancestries. And so the others could apparently. And uh, so they were not allowed. To, they were not allowed by the governor to eat the sacred food till a priest was ministering the urim and thummim. And uh, so there is a difference of about 1,281 between Ezra two and, and the thing, and uh, as seen in about 19 of the 41 items. And most, these are probably, frankly, could be copyist errors, uh, or possibly Ezra and Nehemiah had reasons for the different figures which were unstated and therefore are unknown today. Uh, and uh, so. Uh, Nehemiah's grand total of 49,942 people is close to Ezra's total of 49,897. There's an extra 45 in Nehemiah's total. They're singers. Nehemiah had 245, or Ezra only had 200. Uh, a scribe could have picked up uh, the 245 from verse 68 in reference to the mules by mistake and started the 200 as singers. There's a number of conjectures how the copies might have made as that small error. But uh, in any case... Uh, so much for that. Anyway, uh, some of the chief of the fathers gave unto the work, and 
Tershatha gave unto the treasurer a thousand drams of gold, fifty basins, five hundred and thirty priest garments, and some of the chief of the fathers gave to the treasurer of the work twenty thousand drams of gold, two thousand two hundred pounds of silver. And this is obviously uh, a fortune. Uh, it's hard to, so you're talking about two and a half ton, twenty-one and a half tons of silver. Um, you're talking, you know, by today's standards, that's, that, that's heavy stuff. So, okay, they, uh, people gave us 20,000, let's see, more of that. And the priests and the Levites and the porters and the singers and some of the people and the Nethanims and all Israel dwelt in their cities. And in the seventh month came the children of Israel were in the cities. Now we're going to get into a, a key thing. Why the seventh month? Well, that's the number of the month of Tishri. That's the fall feasts of Israel, right? So let's finish up with chapter eight. All the people gathered themselves together as one man in the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, the Torah, if you will, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both men and women, and all that could bear with understanding, upon the first day of the seventh month. That's Rosh Hashanah in the civil sense. That's the Feast of Trumpets in the religious sense. And so uh, this whole project, of course, of Nehemiah is going to change the whole attitude of the people of Judah. Their self-respect had been recovered by their victory over their enemies. The awareness of God had been stirred among them. So they're gathering to celebrate God. So Nehemiah puts forward Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of Moses and so on. Now, Ezra, his job was to interpret the law. You need to understand that the people's language was not Hebrew, it was Aramaic, a similar but different language. It was the Gentile language of Babylon, if you will. And so it's not the classic Hebrew of the Old Testament document. So Ezra and his other teachers had to read, translate, and explain the text. And the reading of the law of Ezra took seven days, culminated on the eighth day with a worship service. So this is the beginning of their really regaining their identity as God's people. And uh, so Ezra read again therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon the pulpit of the wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Metatiah and Shema and Aniah and Urijah and Hilkiah and Messiah. The, uh, on his right hand and on his left was Pediah, Mishael, Malchiah, Hashun, Hashpadana, Zechariah, and Meshullam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And he opened it, and all the people stood up. And, he, and, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen. With lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And Yeshua, Bani, and Sherebeth, and Yaman, and Jacob, and Zebediah, and Hodijah, and Messiah, and Kalida, and Azariah, Jezabad, Hanan, Peleiah, and all the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they had sub-teachers scattered through the crowd to help answer questions and explain things. So they read the book of the law of the Lord, uh, of law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. I think that's pretty straightforward. I may have some clarifications here. We're talking, you know, the, 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 this is a, quite a crowd because they're probably numbered between 30 and 50,000 people depending on how, uh, some assumptions you make. And uh, so... Uh, the term, uh, the, the uh, term to the uh, read the book distinctly gave them sense to understand. Really means to translate. And translation is part of the the thing they're facing here. And uh, and Nehemiah, which 
which is the Trishatha and the Ezra, the priest of the, uh, the, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's interesting that holiness is always linked to joy. Holiness is linked to joy, if you understand God's program for your holiness. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And on the second day they gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests, the Levites, the Ezra, the scribe, even understand the word, to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths, in the feast of the seventh month, this is the feast of booths or the feast of tabernacles, it's often called. And they do that, by the way, to this day. They typically, they're following the instructions from the Torah. They will typically in their backyard or someplace convenient, they'll build a little temporary hut. And the ground rules are: you have to be able to see the stars through the ceiling. It has to leak, in other words, and you have the wind has to be able to come through the walls. And the idea is to remind them of the wilderness wanderings. And they actually do this like a camping thing. It goes on for the seventh, you know, in the seventh month. And they do this for about a week, and uh, they do this to this day. But they're, that's what, they're going to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths here, in, in a very, very zealous way. And that they should publish and proclaim all their cities, and in Jerusalem, this is not just in Jerusalem, all through the, 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 the Judah, they're saying, Go forth unto the mountain, fetch olive branches, and pine branches, and myrtle branches, and palm branches, and branches of thick trees, to make booths as, as it is written. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths, every one of them, uh, uh, upon the roof of their house or in their courts or in the courts of the house of God and in the street of the water gate or in the street of the gate of Ephraim. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Joshua the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so. Wow. They had not done this since before the time of the judges. That's a shocker. When they wandered 40 days, in the, 40 years in the wilderness and Joshua takes over, the first thing he did when he gets to Gilgal is circumcise them. For a whole generation they hadn't even been circumcised. The children of Israel. Well, we have here, centuries have gone by where they have not obeyed the set feasts of Moses. There's seven of them. Three in the first month, three in the seventh month, and one very interesting one between. And they all are historical, commemoratively, and they're also prophetic. Paul tells us they're a shadow of things to come. We'll talk about this one in a minute. A little background, or I think we'll have time to squeeze it in. Anyway, they had, from that day, since the days of Joshua, they had not the children of Israel done so, and there was very great gladness. Also, day by day, from the first day unto the last day, he read in the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according to the manner. This is the feast of booths. The word feast in the Hebrew really means a rehearsal. We think of a feast, well, it's just a big, you know, it's a party. Well, it is, but it's also a rehearsal. It has not only a historical commemorative aspect, that's well known, well understood, it also has a prophetic aspect. The first three feasts in the first month are all prophetic of the first coming of Jesus Christ in incredible detail. And the last three in the seventh month are prophetic of his second coming, interesting enough. Now, this one occurs on the 15th of Tishri. The 10th of Tishri is Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. This is five days later, five being the number of grace. How interesting. 
It's all in Leviticus 23 if you want to dig it out. This is one of th- of the seven feasts of Moses. Three of them were compulsory. This is one of them. Every able-bodied Jew was supposed to be in Jerusalem for the Feast of uh, Booths. What they built were temporary dwellings. They, they spent uh, seven days there plus a special Sabbath. They left gaps in the sides of the roof, as I mentioned, to, to commemorate the wilderness wanderings. At the end of the week, they leave their temporary dwellings for permanent ones. And that's why so many people associate this with a resurrection, as we leave our temporary dwellings for our permanent ones. And you'll find, in terms of the national aspect of this, you'll find it in Hosea 5.15 and following, and Zechariah 14. You want to dig into that. But I want to talk a little bit more about that. You may recall from John 7 and elsewhere, there's a procession involved. The procession involves four types of branches, a willow, a myrtle, a palm, and a citrus. It's kind of interesting. The willow has no fragrance and no fruit. The myrtle has fragrance but no fruit. The palm has no fragrance, but it bears fruit. And the citrus has both fragrance and bears fruit. I don't know about you, but I can't help, when I run into that, think of the kingdom parable in Matthew 13, about the four kinds of soil. And they're different aspects. I'll let you play with that one and look at it if you want to. But let's move on to something else. There's something else I want to share with you. I can't. When you start talking about some of these things, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. That's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. The word for seasons... Is Hamoshim. It is the appointed times, and I want that word is an interesting word. If you take a computer and study, take the book of the Torah, you'll discover this Hamoshadim is. If you take an equidistant letter sequence and have the computer check all distances, you discover that that word appears only once in the book of Genesis, encrypted. It, 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 your statistic, from the statistics alone from the letters, you'd expect to show up about five times just by accident. It doesn't. It shows up only once. There are 78,664 letters in Genesis, and if you go through the arithmetic, it should, by, by randomness, show up five times. No, it doesn't. It shows up only once. But here's what's interesting. It's at an interval of 70, and it's centered on Genesis 1.14, the place where this word actually appears in the text. Now, you say, what's that got to do? Well, the chances of that happening by accident has been estimated better than 70 million to one against it. So something interesting is going on. Now, the fact that it's centered on this idea of the appointed times, Moshadim, and the fact that the interval is 70 raises a flag to any well-informed Jew because the appointed times, um, it turns out the appointed times involved 52 Sabbaths, Shabbat is obviously a a point of time, plus the regular Sabbath, there are seven days of Passover, including its related feast days. There's the Feast of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast uh, Feast of Yom Torah, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. There are seven days of Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles, and there's an additional eighth day of assembly, Shemini Esoret. If you add those up, how many appointed times are there in the Hebrew calendar? Seventy of them. Fifty-two plus seven plus one plus one plus one plus three plus seven plus one. Anyway, it adds up to seventy. And how fascinating it is that the mathematical structure of the book of Genesis takes that word, spreads it in an interval of seventy, 
centers it on that verse, and that's the only place it appears, even by a statistical accident should occur more than that. So that's just one of those interesting little discoveries that uh, is a tip-off, that God's having a good time. That, there, that, that this is a, the, the depth of the word is beyond our fathoming. So, again, uh, we can summarize Nehemiah's leadership. He established a reasonable, attainable goal, sense of mission. He was willing to get involved. He arranged his priorities in order to accomplish his goals. He patiently waited for God's timing, how we need to learn that. He showed respect to his superior, prayed at crucial times. He made his request of tact and graciousness. He was well prepared and thought of his needs in advance. Here's a whole guy, here's a whole leadership guide in the life of Nehemiah. He went through proper channels. He took time to rest, pray, and plan. He investigated the situation firsthand personally. And he informed others only after he knew the size of the problem. And he identified himself as one with the people. And he set before them a reasonable and attainable goal. He assured them that God was in the project. He displayed self-confidence in facing and also displayed God's confidence in facing us. Both are crucial. Did not argue with his opponents. Was not discouraged by opposition. And he courageously used the authority of his position. Remember, Paul did the same thing. Paul was not shy about using his citizenship with Rome at the right time. That was the trump card he played when the time came, interestingly enough. And so ends our session uh, three of the uh, book of Nehemiah. We will finish the book of Nehemiah the next time we meet. Let's stand for a closing word of prayer. Our blessings go to our visitors, especially from Maine and from Michigan and, uh, uh, and from several places in the state of Washington. Praise God that you chose to share an evening with us. Let's bow our hearts. Father, we do thank you for the fellowship we have in Christ. And Father, we would pray that your purpose would be accomplished in each of our lives as we go forth. We pray, Father, that through your Holy Spirit you would illuminate what you would have of each of us in the days that remain. We pray that your purpose would be accomplished in every detail of our lives. Help, help us, Father, to make our priorities your priorities, that we might be more fruitful stewards, that we might be that we may grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, and that we might be more responsive to all that you have of us as we commit ourselves this night, without reservation, into your hands, in the name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Nehemiah. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. You can also call us on 1-800-K-HOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.